You're listening to DraftKings Network. All right, we've, we talked about some winners here. Uh, Shana, you already told us who you're going to talk about, but what team? Was wait, wait, we have an important level? winner that we should discuss. Who's that? You. How? Oh, more important than me. Who? How does the deadline affect the Leafs? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by the live streaming of the deadline, deadline covering, just happy to be here, Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? Yeah, it's the crack of dawn. Okay, it's 10 a.m. So I'm struggling. <laughs> and this is the first time in a long time I recorded this podcast hungover. So it should be a wild ride. Amazing. Amazing. And I don't know if there are enough words to describe the brilliance of our fellow co-host, a person who broke trades all week, had the inside track on what was going on in the NHL, did it with aplomb and humor and wit and beat a lot of the insiders who got their panties all up in a wad because they weren't first <laughs> and couldn't be bothered to be grown-ups and acknowledge the brilliance. Folks, we're just lucky she's still hanging out with us. <laughs> yeah, okay. Dana Goldman, Shayna say hi hi how are you I'm hanging out with you where would i be without you well sarah i mean can we i don't know i literally don't know that there are words for for shana's success this past week in particular she's always been brilliant but i mean just react to to the, the greatness of shana I know, Shana, can you walk us through it? It seemed like out of, not really out of nowhere, you've breaking trades before, but today or yesterday, you just put on a masterclass and everybody was praising you. And if they weren't, fuck them. But, <laughs> it's weird. I don't know how to handle it. Um, you know, things happen. Did you just, just wake <laughs> up and you were like, I'm going to do this today? Today I choose insiderness. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that's the thing is that like everyone's like if people are surprised that I'm doing things, I'm just as surprised because like it's not my job to report shit. So I like to do analysis. I think that's what's fun. And this year I just thought it would be funny as trades got announced to like add a gossip girl twist. And I said it kind of jokingly, and people immediately were like, You should definitely do this. I'm like, shit, I'm fucking doing it. If people want gossip girl stuff, like that's my kind of content. And uh, and I'm not quick on wit like you are, Allison. So I'm sitting here like rewriting them i have like a fucking notes app working on them so i don't like get repetitive like i'm not this is not my strong suit but i it was fun so i was like all right like it's everyone treat treats everything regarding sports so seriously and i feel like unless you're the player getting moved and uprooting your life it's not that fucking serious so we need to lighten up and have some fun with it and you know everyone acts like it's doomsday like my general manager ruined my franchise and now my life is over or you know, this is the best day ever. Everyone fuck off because my team's doing incredible things. And like, that's great. Wonderful to have those opinions. But like, I don't know. I just want to have some fun with it. I know that's not allowed in hockey, but whatever. Fuck what you if now? you don't think so. Yeah. Watch out, everybody. How many followers did you gain? I was watching your followers. I know. I know. Up. Right. Yeah. Rich was like keeping track. And then Dom asked me yesterday, too, because, of course, he's watching numbers grow. That's like yes. his job. Um, yeah. But it's a lot and it's wow. very strange and now they're going to be so disappointed that's like well we're back to our regularly, <laughs> regularly scheduled programming of some charts and some uh video but that's, no, it's that's valuable as do. always that's right it Good is 100 percent valuable and 
I'm, I'm going to take this a little bit serious for just a second and say, folks, pay attention to some of the shit that went down there too, because we talk a lot about gatekeeping in this sport. And like, when it comes down to someone succeeding, when people can't celebrate that and recognize that and realize it's not pie, there's enough for everyone. Like, this is part of the shit that goes That's down in this saying. game. And, like you know, there you go. And I just, I want to, it made me so happy when other hashtag insiders were recognizing you because there was too much gatekeeping, in my opinion, going on for the brilliance and the work that you were doing. And if, you know, there was a tweet that went out, I retweeted it. But listen, if you are mad that someone else is doing a good job, that means you're not doing a good job. And if your reaction is to shit on the person or to try and take them out, that's more about you than anything that person is doing. So check yourself before you wreck yourself is all I'm saying here. And again, Sheena, just incredible. You are inspiring and awesome and brilliant. And we're just so happy to see you have the week that you had. It was amazing. Thanks. You're going to give me feelings and I don't know how to handle that. So thank you. Well, okay. No more feelings. We're, we're feeling less here, apparently, because that's what the hockey men want. Um, all right, Sarah, time for your favorite segment. What do we got? Bitto News. Bit oh new over a version. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have just some quick hits here. Um, a couple things going on on the women's side of the game. First, we wanted to acknowledge and just give a shout out to our friends over at the Ice Garden. Um, they have launched their own independent site. Um, we are thrilled for them, and they have been able to retrieve um, pretty much all of their old content on their former site um, from a company that shall not be named. They're also offering ways for you to support them financially so that they can continue to cover the women's game. So we encourage all of you to spread the word and also, if you are able, support that site. We also had a very significant retirement on the women's side of the game. Shana, walk us through um, who's leaving us um, in Brianna Decker. Brianna Decker is an elite player, superstar in every which way. If you think of Team USA, I think she is one of the first names that come to mind. I feel like sometimes maybe her contributions got like overshadowed by like the Hillary Knights and Kendall Coins, and like they're all superstars. So I guess that's the challenge of having such an elite team. But total game breaker, um, one of my favorite players to watch. She, unfortunately, you know, the way her career ended is not ideal because it ended with that really unfortunate injury at the Olympics and she did try to come back. But, um, you know, she's going to stick around the women's game and do so many things that I think are so important. And, you know, I'm curious to see how many, I think we've heard rumors for a while that like as this wave of USA and Canada, like hockey players retire, what NHL teams will be jumping at them and it's like, well, let's see. Let's see what happens now, because it does feel like it's going to start being that changing of the guard for Team USA, prime example of it. So uh, I'm excited to see what she does next. Amazing. Yes, we we stand Brianna Decker, but I, I am like you. I'm excited to see um, the next wave of talent. Um, we also had uh, last time we were with y'all, we were talking about the spitting incident with Keandre Miller. Um, after we released our episode, uh, he did have a hearing and a punishment was handed out. He was suspended three games. Uh, Sarah, what was your reaction when you saw this judgment come down? Justified, not justified, too harsh, not harsh enough. Where do you stand? Yeah, I mean, that's the precedent. And I thought I am somebody who advocates for it doesn't matter about your intent when it comes to headshots and stuff. So I think even though I totally believe his apology and I totally believe it was an accident, 
it's the precedent is the precedent and you should not spit at people and you should try to avoid it. <laughs> if you can, just say, please. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, um, that is the quick hits in terms of bit on news, but obviously uh, part of the reason we wanted to delay this episode was to talk to y'all about the trade deadline. And my friends, it went fast and furious. Again, if you were following Shana, you knew that you were seeing every trade come out and you were seeing it come out first from her timeline. Um, but if we look, this is from our great friends at Cap Friendly who do tremendous work. Uh, when all the chips were done being played, the most trades um, per team in the past month, Chicago led the way with nine. We had five teams with seven four teams with six, one team with five. We had a whole bunch with four, three, two. And then we had Florida, the only team to not make a single move in the past month. So wanted to get our thoughts on winners and losers of the trade deadline. Uh, Shana, let's start with you. What is, who is, which is one team that is a winner at the trade deadline in your mind winner for the trade deadline i am gonna go with the colorado avalanche because while everyone's loading up in the east the west is a little bit more open it does seem like they're trending up and it feels like they are counting on their own players to be their own rentals eric johnson when if he returns gabriel landeskog is kind of a huge rental right there they're, they finally have a healthy Val Nichushkin, and they just like bolstered their center depth with Lars Eller, which I think they actually do need for their bottom six minutes. I think their big advantage, yes, they need a second line center, is with everyone healthy, they have two elite wingers that they don't need that center. So I think when all push comes to shove, they didn't need to go, you know, as hard. And I think if any team kind of knew when to not make a move, I trust that it's Colorado because we've seen in years past how cautious they are at the deadline and they know when to spend and when not to spend last year they spent and look how it worked this year they're not spending and it's like well they still have the players that they brought in last year too to a point so you know i i like how they went about it i i like the teams that got splashy but i, I like how they actually like stayed put for the most part sarah who was a winner in your book um the bruins because they didn't do anything life altering they didn't really they only removed one roster player and yet they got better it's just like a joke i think i liked the devils winning the Meyer. and of course we have to talk about the rangers like i don't know i they did so much but it's also like you think about what they also didn't have to do like that was the theme of the trade deadline there were so many opportunities that people could have salary retained and like go for a second round conditional pick, things like that. Like, I think teams did a good job of capitalizing on those opportunities. Okay, for, let's break this down. First question, did not did New York have to add Patrick Kane? Like from my pure hockey sense, I felt like they were dangerous already. I personally don't know that Patrick Kane is having the kind of season where like, oh my God, if we have him, it totally moves the needle. Um, he's older. I know he's done a lot on the ice, but again, this season until lately, it wasn't a breakout year for him. Shana, you have followed the Rangers for a long time. Were you like, oh, thank God they needed this piece? Or did it seem like a luxury ad to you? It's a luxury ad, but I do think they needed another top nine caliber right winger without question, because when they brought in Tarasenko, it's like, okay, one of the two top six lines is going to have a capable right winger. It feels like they do want to keep Kako where he is um, on the kid line. And I think that they... Mm could obviously move him up, but then it's like, well, then who goes there? They just, it felt like they needed one more right winger. And since they chose 
and decided it was never going to be Kravtsov. They needed someone. Did it have to be Kane? No. Do I think he's a legitimate fit, though? Yes. If we're strictly speaking on the ice with his game, I think that he's really going to do well in New York. I think his defense is an issue. Absolutely. So is Tarasenko's. I think, yes, we have to deal with like the implications of aging, but I still think around the right players and around the right environment, we're going to see him elevate his game. And yes, we saw it at the end there, you know, in Chicago, but it's like, where has that been? He was still very good last year with Alex Dubrincat, but it just at this point in his career, he's not the guy. And I think the important thing is New York doesn't need him to be. That's Panarin. That's Savanajad. That's Fox. That's Shesterkin. I like that they have, I think every team should want that they have options because you look at it right now and go, well, Tarasenko fits with Kreider and Zibanejad. You can do Panarin with Kane and you can have Kakwa on the kid line. But if something goes wrong, you can shake that up. You can throw Tarasenko with the kids. You could put Kane with Panarin and then you could put Kakwa with Zibanejad and Kreider and put them against top competition and just let them roll like they did in the last postseason. Last year, we saw they didn't have options for adjustments because they didn't have the depth. Now they actually do. So it's a good thing. I do think it's funny they got fucked on the emergency recall, though, and they did deserve it. Now it makes sense that they're going to have it for the next game. If Mott's not good to go, um, it's too soon for it today against Boston. But you reap what you sow. I, I did I did kind of like that the NHL was like, nah, you created the situation yourself. So, Sarah, we talk on the ice. And, you know, it, I was not able to watch the game because I was working. But it was funny to me that... Tarasenko comes to the Rangers and they're all jacked up and they destroy, unfortunately, the Seattle Kraken in his first game. But then they lose the first game with Patrick Kane. I personally listen again, I to all the points Shana just made. I personally understand on the ice how getting Patrick Kane can be an asset. But I was really disappointed and uncomfortable with the glee about Patrick Kane less than a year after everyone was committing to do better after situations like the Kyle Beach story. And this is a player who arguably was aware of what was going on. And there have been some other unfortunate circumstances that have followed Patrick Kane off the ice. What do we need to do better, differently? Or was it fine that there was such celebration about the Patrick Kane move, um, given the off-ice issues surrounding him? I think when talking about his legacy as a Blackhawk, it was really left out of some of those stories. And it's just like, we don't want to be pains in the butt about this type of stuff and bringing it up all the time, but we kind of do because it's not our fault that he ignored Kyle Beach and he knew and he covered it up, like, which he did. I think it bears repeating when something like this happens. And I, I did catch myself saying like, maybe they need a leader in the locker, like a veteran Stanley cup, whatever. And that's what I meant. But I don't, obviously he wasn't even the captain. Like I don't, and there's a reason for that. So definitely have to watch out for his off the ice, the way he'll be in the locker room. But I don't know. It's just like there needed to be more talk of that when we talk about his legacy. I don't know about, I'm sure like Rangers reporters, it's not really on them. I think it was more on the Blackhawks reporters and they kind of failed us. Yeah, for sure. And again, I, I think I was just frustrated because so many people reacted after the entirety of the Kyle Beach story came out and said, we need to do better. This can't stand. And then this was just, it was just completely ignored. Um, all right. We've, we talked about some winners here. Uh, Shana, you already told us who you're going to talk about, but what team? Was wait, like, wait, we have an important what? winner that we should discuss. Who's that? You. How? Oh, more important you. than me. Who? How does the deadline affect the Leafs? 
Perfect. Oh, thank you, Shana. I'm going to say pod, Kyle Dubas. Yeah, I'm going to say right now, I like their moves. I think that you risk. I think when you make a lot of changes and bring in a lot of new players, I think you do risk like fucking up the chemistry you had. But and while I was thinking this, I watched them play the Flames. I don't know if either of you caught the Leafs Flames game on Thursday. Days are a flat circle. Who knows? Yeah. The way they played defense in the third period against the Flames, and granted the Flames have faded out, burned out, flamed out in the third period, however you want to say it. Um, The Maple Leafs are playing defense in in such a smart way to protect the lead, and the way they were playing at the Blue Line, I was so fucking impressed. They did not allow any quality chances. They were very disciplined with it, and I'm like, if this is how you're going to play, and I like their style of play before this, but if this is what you're going to bring to the table, like if you want to take something from Tampa Bay – and it's lead with your superstars, check. But it's going to be in the third period. You don't take any fucking risks. Like, what was the, I think they have the rule, no lateral passes in your own zone in the third period if you're protecting a lead. Like, it's shit like that, that disciplined style that you're not being a defensive shell, but you're just crushing it. Like, I was super impressed. And I think they got a lot, but I think that it's so important that they maximize this next year when you look at their contract situations. Like, Jake McCabe is a good shot down defenseman. Absolutely check. Well, Luke Shen, I think everyone just loves the vibes he brings. And I don't know if he's an everyday player, but like Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, like those were all smart moves and they committed to their goaltending. They're like, no, it's everything in front of the net we're going to work on and we're going to be a powerhouse. And I'm really interested to see how that goes. Who's your loser? Let's talk about the Florida Panthers. They're not the only, there's other losers who are worse and we'll get there. But Florida, I like that they went balls to the wall last year, but it felt very much like, I don't know. Did they not expect expect that they would have to clean up their own mess that they created? Because that's the vibe I get. And they had no answers for it this year. And while if you're a contender, and I truly think that, so Tampa Bay, like I think is the one a good example, you know when to move your picks and the Leafs too, really, and the Bruins, you know when to move those first round picks to you that they're not as valuable as a first round pick. If you're a contender, that pick's going to be 28, 29, 30. It's not as good. It's basically a second round pick. Yeah. You want to move that out for a right now move to help you absolutely go for it right that's that's the way to go and florida did that last year to capitalize on such a successful regular season but they left themselves with nothing they left themselves with no answers nothing and it was so much on rentals they completely fucked up how they approached last deadline anyway by trying to change their style feels like everything they've done since to clean it up is wrong and here's a team that could have killed for a player like chikrin killed for a player like phil peronic who that price could have been manageable and they couldn't manage it because they screwed everything up so badly. And even if you want to go for that like below the surface option, cheap player, they couldn't figure them out either because it feels like there's conflicting ideas always in that front office. It's like it's constant between how do we go for the gritty and slow? I mean, look, it's the Bill Zitos of the world. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We forgot Paul Fenton was there versus different perspectives. And you can just it feels just like a clash constantly that last year we saw the side that won and this year they couldn't figure out anything like that's it's it's a tough look yes you get to clear back that's going to help but you have a true shot here with the capitals out and you just completely blew it sarah who yeah. was your who was your biggest loser um oh i don't want to say the canes were the biggest loser but i'm the most disappointed in them interesting i mean they got pulled javari who they've been in on for years and he'll be a good like auxiliary player and they got um ghost which is unnecessary if you ask me but whatever 
they needed they can they just have one 30 goal score like oh my god like i'm so sick of doing this every single year and then they'll get knocked out in the second round this year and it will be because of lack of scoring they do defense perfectly they have the best shot suppression in the league and that's not by accident that's because they work their asses off to be so good but you can only work your ass off so hard without the skill and they deserve like one more player i hate how dom waddell throws the team under the bus every single time he said he talked to team leaders and they didn't want to mess up the chemistry and they didn't want to take anybody out of the room. But Meyer was going to go for a prospect that, that and there was their non-starter was on the prospect. So it just makes me mad when he uses those excuses. They could have gotten Verana, honestly, a cheap player who, yes, there's some risk with that player, obviously, and the defense is a true concern. But if any team can insulate him, put him in a position to succeed, it would be the Canes, you would think. They just need what he has, what they're missing. Really great finishing talent. Like, yeah. he's an, a really great shooter, and I think if he's maximized, he's so good. The Blues got him for nothing. That, yeah. I feel like they love a, like out. They love a project, too. Like, they love to bring somebody back and optimize them. So why not, like... I can't believe, here's my loser, the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, my God. I was like, what happened there? (laughs) Why Brendan Lemieux? Well, Tony can hang out. And you have one asset that probably can get you something, and you screw it up, like, literally as the deadline is expiring. Did we ever know what happened with that? Insider Shayna, do we know? No, I think there. I think in his press conference, he said he never even got like a real deal for him or something. And maybe it was the cap hit, but like they had other out. If you're not going to move Van Riemsdyk, you move Justin Braun out. You could, I get nobody wanted Proveroff, sure. <laughs> Shocker there. But like, I guess the one saving grace is they didn't do something stupid like get rid of Farabee or get rid of Konechny because it mm-hmm. didn't seem like that was on the table in the last year. But like, you have a pending unrestricted free agent. He would have been good. Seattle, Winnipeg. Um, how many teams could use a net front right. player on the uh, on their power play? If not on power play one, on power play two, there are teams out there. It would have made sense on the Devils. They went for Curtis Lazar as their, you know, the second forward they added for depth. Totally different skill sets, but still, like it, it point remains. Yeah, I could not believe that. You know, because we always talk about winners and losers, like in terms of like either getting or not getting what you wanted. But like from a seller perspective, that was just not good at all so here's my question to you all uh i covered columbus the year that they went all in and brought in duchene and and, you know all these players that was going to be this big push um with teams particularly in the east loading up as much as they have how high are the stakes how much of it is how much is it a failure if a team like new york or pick your pick another one that you know that you really feel is in it in the mix if we want to say a jersey or a boston but any team that loaded up how high are the stakes how much is it a failure if you don't make it let's not even say to the final to the conference champion to the conference championships it's huge right like if you're new jersey it's not as big because it's the first year of your window and you just added a player who you, ideally unless something really changes is not a rental and he's going to be good for a very long time so i'm like okay New York has the luxury of they didn't spend as much as they could have, but still the Rangers, the Bruins, the Leafs and the Bruins. It's a big one. When you think about like the age of their court, like they don't know what's up with Bergeron and Krejci. So I think the stakes are so high and yes, you have to like load up to compete, but only so many teams can move even into round two. And I think it makes the stakes higher for a team that 
I would say is a huge loser in Pittsburgh because you have three years with this core. That's it. That's all you have. You have no idea if you're like, first of all, if they'd even be good, if they return, you get Dmitry Kulikov, you're going to have to take out Joseph or Pedersen to put him in your lineup. I know people are like, but Brian Dumoulin, Brian Dumoulin's playing every fucking night. He's been bad and he's playing every night. Kulikov's not the answer. Granlund, for his versatility they bring in, who doesn't even play center anymore. And Jesse Marshall did a really good story on this. I look at Pittsburgh and I go, as much as the stakes are high for the teams that spent, I look at the way they threw out players that they had recently signed. Recently, Ron Hextall made these moves and he had to get rid of them to clear space in a panic to bring in players. And he didn't just commit to them for one year in Grandland. He committed to them for the rest of this playoff window with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang together. Then I'm like, so as much as you could have gone bigger for Pittsburgh, I think the stakes are just high for them regardless, right? Textile's tenure in Pittsburgh hasn't been good, but GMJR kind of bounced when things were getting dicey. He was like, all right, bye. Well, and to make his own mess now. in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. So, good fucking luck there. Yeah. Another Sarah, big loser. Sarah, how much of a risk is it, like, if, if a Boston doesn't go deep in the playoffs? Like, is, how much disappointment – should there be? And did they go go in too hard? Did they go in too much? I think the Bruins did perfectly. And then Orlov is getting, like, they're calling him Bobby Orlov now. Like, he is crushing it. He has six points in two games. My parents are on the way to go watch him. $240 tickets. But I think they had nothing to lose, right? I love when Don Sweeney just wheels and deals his first rounders. because, And I did. Okay, this is kind of unrelated, but I saw a stat yesterday. I'm not, okay, this is not going great. I'm not sure if this was the exact stat, but it was like out of the top 20 players or out of the first round, 2.7% of players make the NHL. So it's like, please sell your second round picks. Please sell your third round picks, especially if like you're in a win now position. And especially I think if you're Bruins, also terrible at drafting and yeah. developing. <laughs> and the Bruins. And I think... Don did great. I don't know. I, I've always liked his trading. Yeah, but he's not 2015 draft. But I think they had nothing to lose. Whereas you're you're so right about the stakes are so high, but mathematically, literally not all these teams can win. Right. And I think it's interesting from the West perspective that they can kind of just sit back. They didn't really have to do any of this. And I liked what Detroit did. Detroit yep. was like, okay, nope, we're going to stay the course, stay the Yezer plan, of course. And they got two first round picks. So good for them. Yep, they could have, and see, they that's a team that could have afforded to not sell and just keep their own players as rentals. They have right. the assets, they have the cap space, they have the prospects, they have everything that if any, like the Islanders, it's different. They're two totally different positions. The Red Wings could afford to do that, and they had, I don't think it's, oh, we had two bad games, but you look at how poorly things were going after that hot streak, and you just had to look at it and go, maybe you're not ready just yet. Maybe you're just going to fall short. And that's fine. Keep going. Keep competing. Why the fuck not? We saw how they played against Seattle and they bounced back after a terrible start, right? Like this this is a team that there's a future. And I feel for Dylan Larkin a ton, but Verona was not going to stick around. We already knew that. Bertuzzi, it seemed like they were going to have trouble like uh, extending him and they didn't clear every, you know, UFA. Like Suter's still there. That He could have gone for a ton. They were like, no, we're going to pump the brakes. And Philip Ronick, like, that was the most intriguing one to me because they didn't have to sell him, but they're like, he's going to ask for a huge raise next year. So it's interesting how they pulled back while the senators were like, we're running hot. Now we see yeah. that the red wings are running cold. We can spend, and we're not going to go for rentals. We're going to make smart. They still got, you know, assets back for a pending UFA. And then they still flipped and went for chicken. So like that I think is great for them. 
All right. So two, we'll do these quick. Just just give a, a yes, no, or a choice answer here. Sarah, mm-hmm. what team will it be the biggest disappointment for them slash their base if they don't make it just to the cup final? Oh, I would say the Rangers, but they have a few years. I think the Bruins are really like now or never in this historic season. And tickets are two hundred forty fucking dollars, and I can't go to the Bruins, so they're gonna. The fans are paid a lot of money to watch this team. <laughs> so Shayna, what's your pick? I think I'm gonna go Boston too, especially because what happens next if you don't have Bergeron and or Krejci? Like, then yeah. how do you? You don't have the centers at the ready to move up. I will say, I mean, they have Pasternak now. I can't believe they got that done, and I loved that deal, but. Yep. I Krejci has never looked better to me. I'm like, yeah. that's maybe a hot take, but he looks awesome. So no, he ahead. does. He's killing it. And it's so amazing to see he actually gets Pashnak after all those years yeah. of not. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, see, I told you, put us together. And now you have two crazy good lines. Like, that's amazing. Uh, all right. Check here's notes. your next here's your next quick fire question. How much of people there are theories floating out there that the East has loaded up so much while the West was quiet. And then there are theories that say, well, because of that, the East is just going to eat itself and the West is just going to be lying in wait to take advantage of that. How much of a failure will it be if an Eastern team doesn't win the cup, Sarah? I know. I just feel like that's how it's going to play out just because the East is eating itself and there's so much talent. It's going to be such a fun first few rounds. And then you get to the cup final and like everybody's bruised and battered and the Kraken are just like young little (laughs) balls of energy didn't even do anything at the deadline and it's just like they're going to be skating to the it's not not that easy like I don't want to downplay things but I just think the exhaustion of playing in the east is going to like be a lot of wear and tear which is why these teams had to stock up and they were smart too but it's just like funny how the west didn't have to Shayna how much of a failure if an eastern team does not win the cup I would say it's a it's going to be viewed as a failure unless it's Colorado Championship team right there, there, already elite, or hot take here, Edmonton, if somehow they did oh. it. If Edmonton, because they bought. America's they bought, team. Right. They they bought. They got Bukestad, smart move. They got Ekholm, really smart move, that I think they bought enough, and it was aggressive on their terms. And it does stack up to what some of the Eastern Conference teams did, not the Leafs and Bruins, really, but like everyone else. But I feel like if either of them won, it wouldn't be viewed as much of a failure. I mean, we'd all view them as a failure if Edmonton somehow did it, but – um otherwise i feel like if like it's dallas or winnipeg or la everyone's gonna be like are you fucking kidding even though like la made big moves la made a huge move we didn't even talk about that la made a huge move so if, like all of a sudden people are like oh it's a failure if they win like i could see it but yeah you have to grind it out through the east no matter what no matter which division you're playing through your life is going to be fucking miserable if you can get through that and still be standing Poppy, baby <laughs> yeah here's a western conference team here's potentially seven more games like that's a lot yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be watching all these teams and see if the what moves do you they... think? What do I think? I think yeah. I do think a Western team is probably going to win just because I think the stakes are so high. And I do th- like it's just going to it's I think the East is going to be a bloodbath. I just and, and it's not right necessarily, but I think a Western team is going to win the cup personally. I like that. And the East is going to. I hate agree. It. I agree with you. Do you have a pick of which which Teams, no. do you think make it to the final, the Western Conference final? I don't know yet. It's okay. too close. I don't know. It's, it's too, too close. close. It's too close. I will say I think Colorado is one of them. How about that? That's I one. Like that. 
That's fair. You don't want to jinx anything, huh? Exactly. Exactly. All right, y'all. Well, we end every episode with our favorite game, and that is Fuck, Marry, Kill. And we are, of course, doing a deadline-focused edition of Fuck, Marry, Kill. So, Sarah, I'll have you go first. Fuck, Marry, Kill, deadline day trades, a week of chaos, or teams staying pat? I'm killing teams staying pat. Grow up and make a move. Give us entertainment. Give us clicks. I am clicks. marrying the week lead up. Like, this was kind of new. Um, it... Every single day you'd wake up and go to Shana's feed and see what happened. <laughs> it was so much fun. And I'm fucking, what was the other one? Like deals at the trade? Deadline, deadline day or a week of chaos or staying pet? Yeah, I'll take deadline day over nothing. And I do think there's some fun in watching everything roll in. It was funny during our live stream. It was just like nothing was happening until the last second. But I'll take that. That's fun. Shana? I think I'm going to agree. Um, oh. I'm going to kill staying pat because I think that you still should do something. Florida stood pat and did nothing. It's boring. Even Detroit, they went, we're not buying anymore. We're, you know, they, they still had, here's two trades. We're still going to be smart and better position ourselves for next year. I think that if you're a contender and you're staying pat, you could probably still use a tweak, like an Eller, a small move. And if you're a seller, like move out the one or two players that you're like, you know what, let's just, Let's just be a little bit smarter here, a little bit more proactive. So I just think there needs to be like a level above staying pat that's not buying or selling. And I would go for that. Uh, I will fuck deadline day deals because I do think they can be huge regrets and huge mistakes. Sherrod, <laughs> Jeremy Lazan, players like that. But then you could have like Lekkonen, I think, was a deal that happened in the last hour last year. And you think of what a perfect acquisition that was. So I, I'll fuck that because there's some good, some bad. You never really know what you're going to get. I don't want to fully commit to it. I will marry the week of chaos, the two weeks of chaos. I think that made it way more exciting. I also like that it gave us more time to talk about the trades instead of just racing through everything. We had time to talk about Orloff and that huge trade. We had time to talk about Tarasenko. And I really liked the teams that acted. I liked how soon the Rangers did like the Tarasenko trade because they had a chance to look at their lineup and go, are we good? We have three weeks, let's say, to decide, are we good? Is this enough? And you can assess and figure it out. The same with... Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari, they got to look at it in Toronto and go, we had a two forwards. Do we need another? Do Or is that okay on the forward front? And I, I just think that it gives teams a chance to actually see how their new groups mesh because you really never know how a player is going to work in a new environment. You can guess, and there's a lot of things that can help you do it, but do you know for sure? No, nothing's a guarantee. So I am going to marry a week of chaos because like you, Shana, I liked like when, when everything happens right at three o'clock, it's ridiculous and nothing actually really gets processed and we miss the details and miss thinking through what's going on. I'm going to actually fuck staying pat because I think it's a new interesting risk. You know, it, like you look at the Kraken and what they did. I think it's a really interesting choice given where they are as an organization, but what the team is doing on the ice. And I, I find it like that's hard to do if you're in that position. So I'm going to fuck that because I think it's different and and we'll take the challenge as long as you're not the Flyers or Florida. Um, and therefore I will kill deadline day deals because it's just, it's, it's literally by the time deadline day is almost over, you're like, just don't do anything else because like there's not enough time. Um, and, it, and you almost get more annoyed than actually be interested in the actual move. So that's what I'm yeah. going to do. Can I ask too, because you were on Eastern time for this deadline. Yes. Last year, were you West or East? Do you remember? 
I don't remember. <laughs> I, I feel like it's too early being it's three too early. Yeah. It should be like five. And, and there should be no games. no games. Or yeah. one, yeah. if you have to do one game, if you feel yeah. like, okay, we can't have a day off. But like, it sucks for teams that go, well, we just subtracted this player. There's no way this player is going to get here in time. We'll just go shorthanded tonight. Like, I don't, I don't like that at all. Does the NBA yeah. do that or do they have games? I don't, I don't know. I actually don't know. That's a good question. If they don't, then maybe they're onto something, which, and the NHL's yes. behind them, which who would be surprised? <laughs> Exactly. All right, my friends. Well, we, as always, appreciate you listening. Don't forget that you can find us on the socials, on Instagram and Twitter at two underscore much underscore man. Shout out to the Jackets and the Kraken for having a too many men call in the game I was covering last night. We appreciate your service. The Allison Bowl. Follow us on socials. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want us to talk about. Give us your submissions for our fuck Mary Kill game. Don't forget that you can also find on our socials a link to our merch where you can buy t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, switch cases, notebooks, Apple Watch bands, all kinds of amazing things. And some new merch is dropping soon. So stay tuned. And until we talk again, please do something, no matter how big or small, to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.